Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Iranian-American artist Shiva Ahmadi was born in Tehran in 1975. She came of age during the Iranian Revolution and the Iran-Iraq War. Her art draws on her experiences of the chaos that comes with conflict. Here's a timeline. Shiva got a Bachelor of Art degree from Azad University in Tehran in 1998 and shortly thereafter moved to the United States. In 2003, she received her first master's in drawing from Michigan's Wayne State University and the same year had an artist residency at the Skohegan School of Painting and Sculpture. Three years later came a second MFA, this one in painting from Cranbrook Academy of Art, also in Michigan. In 2015, she joined the faculty at the University of California, Davis, where she is currently an associate professor of art. Shiva works in a variety of media, watercolor, sculpture, video animation. Her work has been included in the collections of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, Asia Society Museum, Gray Art Gallery, all in New York City, the Asian Art Museum in San Francisco, Museum of Contemporary Art in L.A., Detroit Institute of Arts, and the private collection of Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed al-Hayyan, Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi. In 2016, Shiva was awarded the Anonymous Was a Woman Award, an honor given to 10 women artists over 40 who are at a critical juncture in their career. The grant name refers to a line in Virginia Woolf's A Room of Their Own. So let's meet and get to know Shiva Amadi. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Shiva, let's travel back to Iran. Talk to me what that was like growing up in such tumultuous times, because quite frankly, you didn't know any different, correct? Exactly. So I was born in, uh, as you mentioned, I was born in 1975, and uh, a few years later, the war between Iran and Iraq started. It was a very, very unstable time in my country. And also, before the war starts, there was the Iranian Revolution, which basically, um, I don't know if you know about it, but before the Islamic Revolution, Iran was a monarchy, and then everything suddenly changed completely to basically, you know, before that, you know, for example, women had freedom, they could do whatever they wanted to do, they could wear whatever they wanted to wear, and uh, suddenly after the revolution, everybody had to basically follow the Islamic uh, rules or they would go to jail. And during this time, uh, my parents came back to Iran after they graduated from Berlin University, and so everything was kind of very, very unstable. Everything changed completely for them, and it has a huge effect uh, on their lives and on my life. Uh, But then the war, when the war started, um, you know, the city bombings, everything that comes with the war also affected our lives very much. It was it was just very, very um, unstable. Everything was a total. There was a, there was this feeling of anxiety and uh, instability that everybody were uh, everybody were having in terms of security, in terms of uh, shortage of food, and uh, the constant, as I mentioned, the constant city bombings and uh, things like that. How many siblings do you have? I do have one sister. And so your parents who studied abroad come home 
thinking that life is just going to be terrific. And then all of a sudden, their world, your world, was completely upended with the demise of the Shah and then, of course, the Iran-Iraq war. And it just becomes a whole different ballgame. So I would imagine that uh, it wasn't, uh, how's this for an understatement, a walk in the park at all. It was not. So what was that like for you going to school and living in these very, very tumultuous times? Was there always something in the back of your head thinking, I got to get out of here? You know, when I was going to school at the beginning, it was no way out, honestly. Uh, The borders were closed and nobody been thinking. And my mom is a doctor. The whole time she was thinking that I have to stay and I have to help people. And I cannot leave the country. That was her, you know, statement. And we were like, you know, that, that that's how I grew up. That was, uh, you know, that was the understanding that uh, no matter what, Iran is your country, you would stay here and you would help people and you would go through all these, you know, basically, you, basically you live here mm-hmm. and there is mm-hmm. no way out. Obviously, this is all you knew? Or was there something in the back of your mind thinking, I'm going to leave? Oh, absolutely. Uh, As soon as I became a teenager, um, I started like, you know, I I think at that time, it was very, very beginning of the time that the satellites started coming to Iran. And we had uh, basically a satellite that I was watching, you know, at the Western movies. And I was, you know, I started to understanding what life is look like uh, outside of Iran. So you were exposed to a lot of other things but by virtue. Exactly. And it was that time that I thought that, you know what, I am not going to stay here. And one of the reasons for it was that, you know, my parents educated in uh, in West and they were not very religious. So inside the house, I had a completely different life. And outside, in a school, I had to change completely in order to basically fit in. And uh, that was one of the things that was always bothering me, that, you know, we basically had to lie all the time. That you were living a double life, right? Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I had to, inside the house, I was watching TVs, uh, listening to music, and uh, and by TVs, I mean Western movies. And uh, my, par- my, my father was drinking wine, and things were, co- you know, we were not as I said, we were not that religious. We were not praying. We were not like, you know, practicing all the time. And outside, I had to cover my hair. I had to basically pray. I had to pretend to something that I was not. And this was a double life that actually exists to uh, to this day. And many, many people in Iran experience the same exact thing that, you know, inside is Something and outside is something completely different. So you go to school in Tehran. You get a Bachelor of Art degree from, as I mentioned, Azad University. And then you just what? Said, I'm getting out of here? I thought that after I got my bachelor degree, I was like, I cannot stay here. And one of the reasons was that I loved doing uh, figure drawing. And figure paintings. I just love using figure in my work. And uh, that was not a load. Yeah, right. And I couldn't really, I couldn't really just, you know, show what I was working on. And uh, so what's the point? What's the point of just making all this work and not being able to show them? 
and I wanted to say something. I wanted to talk about my experiences and anything political, anything that is religious, anything that has a hint that is basically against the Iranian regime can put you in trouble. And that's the reason I thought, you know, I'm an artist. I want to have the freedom. I wanted to show something. And the funny thing is that when I went to Berlin to American consulate to get my visa, student visa, um, I also uh, showed some of my painting. And, you know, I had a small painting and drawing of the figures that I did. And because I, I believe it was kind of, you know, a uh, few figure drawings that I included into my portfolio and I submitted to the ambassador to take a look at my portfolio and give me the visa, hopefully. And the first time uh, when he came and talked to me during the interview, uh, he said, well, you are going to go to West. You're going to go to America. You're going to have total freedom to do whatever you want. And you will never, ever go back to Iran. Wow. And so he rejected so the first time. <laughs> and for the second time, I was, you know, I was lucky enough to, you know, to, that they granted the visa. And, uh, you know, I came here as a, you know, as a student. And, and you never looked back. Um, how did you wind up at Wayne State University? And also, Shiva, before you answer that, how did your decision to leave Iran fly with your parents? Well, um, they, at that point, um, they were for it. They were very supportive, and uh, because they, they 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 understood. As soon as I, uh, my mom always says, as soon as I chose to be an artist, she knew that I wouldn't stay in Iran, and uh, so that was okay with them, and they supported me. But I had a sister who was living in Detroit uh, at the time. She's an engineer. She works for Ford. And uh, so I told her that I want to come and study in the United States. And the first school that she knew of was, you know, West Wayne State. And they gave me the admission. And that's how I got my visa to come and study at Wayne State. What was that experience like for you going from kind of one extreme to another, even though you certainly had your sister there as a support system? But what was that like to just go into this very different world? It was very, very um, exciting, but also extremely odd and strange and very, um, I, it was a complete change, cultural change. Everything was completely different. W- were you terrified? I was, I was more excited, but also... I was very anxious because, so here is what's happening. Um, We never had nude model in Iran, right? The first class that I got, I registered for was a figure drawing class. And uh, the first day of school, I was late because I, you know, I went to a different uh, building. And then I came back to my class. I opened the door and here is a nude man standing and <laughs> oh taking God. a pose. Oh, my God. It was like, oh, my God. <laughs> no <what> kidding. <laughs> uh-huh. So I was, it was just very, very odd. And I remember that I started drawing. And um, 
my uh, professor, he came, he, he was an amazing teacher and uh, he came to me, he, re- he realized that I, you know, I'm new, I'm from Iran. He came to me and said, like, the, mo- the model has changed pose um, half an hour ago and you haven't even looked at him. You have to start looking in order mm. to draw. Mm, yeah, wow. <laughs> and I was so shy to do that. But yeah, it was like one example of, you know, everything being so, you know, it was, you know, it was such a cultural shock for me. So how was that experience going to school in Michigan? And and as I mentioned also in the introduction, the same year in 2003, you also had an artist residency at the Go- at the Skohegan School of Painting and Sculpture. So you really kind of made your mark early on in the States, didn't you? I did. <laughs> I was very lucky. Well, you're also talented. Come on, Shiva. Thank you. Uh, yes. So, well, you know, it was it was amazing. I was very excited. I was learning and I was working extremely hard, like I would stay, stay, uh, spend like around 18 hours a day in the studio. Wow. Painting, drawing, reading, looking at books. One of the things I didn't have in Iran was for books. And I knew the names of artists, but I never know what their work looked like. I didn't know much about them. So I was spending a lot of time. I was taking everything in. I was in the library all the time looking at the books. I was going to museums, spending like hours in museums looking at the actual painting in front of me. And I would come to studio and I would paint for hours. And I was just experimenting and, you know, exploring different medium, different ideas. And I just loved it. I loved it so much, you know. And that year when I applied in Skahigan, I got in and it was very shocking because almost everybody told me that, you know, you there is no way anybody, you know, it's just very difficult and you cannot get in. And I applied and I got in. And uh, that the two months that I, st- uh, that I spent in Skahigan over the summer, it was also amazing. You know, I was spending a lot of time with different artists. Basically, we had a very good, you know, visit, uh, visiting artists and uh at a time, and there were other people, you know, who were very talented. Uh, I was exposed to different ideas. And one thing that was actually stood out to me, one thing that I really liked, that I didn't really have to hide anything. I could just do whatever I wanted to do. And um, I started to understand that, you know, brush making is not about making beautiful objects only. It's about, you know, Having a voice, right? It's about expressing you know, yourself and, and the need to express yourself. It's bigger than you are. This is what you have to do. Exactly, and so that was how that was the most amazing part of it for me. Because you know, as I said before, in Iran, we were either doing still lifes or abstract paintings. And if, for example, I was very much against you know the politics or uh, many of those things in Iran, I couldn't really say anything in my work because, you know, I could end up in jail. Right. But here, I was encouraged to talk about everything that I thought is important. And I was encouraged to find ways to express 
and to convey those messages into my work. It must have been and both liberating as well as overwhelming. You had a lot of catching up to do. You were like a sponge. And then you also had this incredible freedom. I can't imagine all those forces kind of swirling around you. And I think that's why I was not sleeping very much. <laughs> I, was feeling, I was feeling that I have so much catching up to do. <laughs> I have so much things that I want to do. I have so much, you know, uh, ideas that I want to explore. I want to go to places. I want to look at things. And uh, I want to, you know, it was amazing that how much excited excitement I was feeling at the time to to basically get everything out and to see as much as I can and to work as much as I can. So... In the time between, in the 12 years or so that you were kind of honing your craft and learning and experiencing and absorbing, and then, as I mentioned, you wind up on the faculty of the University of California at Davis. How did that happen? <laughs> so, you know, it's um, it's a thing about, you know, being an artist that, yes, you do have a lot of, you know, joy when you're working in your studio, but unfortunately, there is not much security in terms of like, you know, financial security. And uh, not everybody will become, you know, a very, like a big superstar that whatever they make, you know, will sell. Uh, And uh, so I needed, you know, I needed to, you know, support myself and teaching was one of them, one, uh, like one of the best way that I knew. So I started teaching at University of Michigan early on after I got my MFA for 10 years. I taught at the University of Michigan. And then I was like, I don't want to stay uh, in Michigan uh, any longer. And I want to, you know, I, at the time I was also going through a divorce and uh, University of California had a position uh, and you know I applied and I got a job. I was very, very lucky. While you were in Michigan, you married an American? An Iranian. Oh, who you met here, though. Yes. Was there back then, as well as now, a community of Iranian expats? Well, different states are different. A big, the biggest uh, Persian community is in, uh, is in L.A. Um, really? And in California in general. But Michigan didn't have a big Persian community. It was just by chance that I met my ex-husband, uh, you know, in a small Persian party that I was going to. Talk about your inspirations and talk about what drives you when you're in the studio. Well, you know, inspiration comes from different places. To this day, I am, I, you know, I grew up during uh, a lot of um, political uh, movements. You know, it was the revolution, it was the war, and then I immigrated. So politics has been always a big part of the reasons that, you know, I made a lot of decisions in my life. So, um, and I'm very sensitive to what is happening out there. I'm very aware. I, you know, I follow the news like religiously because the thing is that whatever decision that, you know, the politicians make has a direct effect on, uh, had a direct effect on my life. And um, it was the reason that I immigrated. And then also as an immigrant in the United States, it was not an easy time. Right. When I came, a couple of years after I came, 9-11 happened. Uh-huh. 
all those, you know, things that I was exposed to, they found a way to come into my work. So no matter what I do, my work are always, you know, a commentary on social issues, I'm sorry, on uh, on the world issues or, or what is happening around us. It's not one day that you open, you know, the news or, or you actually look at the news and you don't find something is happening with Iran. Right, right. And I see my parents still live there. I was going to ask you about that. You obviously haven't been able to go back and forth, have you? uh, No. Last time I went was 2007, and after that I started showing, and no, I haven't gone back. And you haven't gone back because why? Because of uncertainty. I am not certain that if I go there that I won't get stopped and I won't, you know, you never know with all the news that happens in Iran, you never know what's happening. Right, right. You might go there and get stuck and I don't want to risk my life. You know, when you were talking about being coming right after 9-11, a couple of years after 9-11, I'm curious, did you experience much in the way of prejudice? Oh, yes, I did. To this day, uh, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, if you're a man, if you're a woman, my last name is Amadi, and it's a you know very like it's a it's a Muslim last name, and uh, it's basically you know every time I remember that I applied for my green card uh, with another friend of mine who was um, Japanese uh, lady, and she got her green card after six months. I got my green card after five years. Whoa. Because of name checks and background checks and all sorts of different things that I had to go through and interviews and stuff like that. But yes, you know, to this day, I don't read anything that is Persian books or newspaper or anything that has the Farsi alphabet in the airport because it makes people uncomfortable. I'm sitting next to this person and I'm reading a book that is in Farsi. And they get nervous, and I feel that. Wow. You know? Uh-huh. What is it like for you when you're creating? What is it like when you're in the studio and you're expressing yourself? Well, it is liberating, but at the same time, it is very emotional. There is a lot of, you know, ideas that I want to express, and there is two parts in art making. It's uh, the idea, the concept, or the content that you develop, and... And then there's a formal element, or basically the the visual language, like the color paint, you know, the the texture, the technical stuff, the composition, and things like that. And you have to use the visual language to find a way to convey the message or to convey the content that you have. During the research of what I want to do for my next work or for my next body of work for the next thing that I do. I am always extremely emotional, and then I get into the working mode, and then I'm just thinking about what composition I can use, what kind of you know color should I use, what medium should I use, should I use, should I make an animation, or maybe a sculpture is better for this work, or maybe I should do a large painting, or maybe the small painting is better. And so these are the kind of experiments that you go through, and then at the end, you know, when an artwork is made or something that I am happy and I'm satisfied with, I, you know, it's something that I always say that I can, at that point, I can die without even 
thinking that I want anything else from this world. It is so satisfying. It is so satisfying. And the other way is also true. When it's not working, I am devastated <laughs> all the time. Mm-hmm. I am an emotional mess and constantly want to get back to studio. And I just want to work to make it right. It's like my life on the line. <laughs> I'm struck by this, too, because, you know, creating is so personal. And then it becomes so public. And then there is a judging. And On the one hand, you've been included, your art has been included in so many collections, and you have such respect and recognition, but I suppose one is never cavalier about that. Exactly. It all starts with an idea, and you spend a lot of time making that idea come to life. And it's all personal. It's all me and my work in the studio. Nobody's looking at it. Nobody's seeing it. There's no judging along the way. And then it's like you put your heart out there and then you put it in a public and people are coming and then you just hear this and that. And it's like, it is, it is, you know, it is a very personal thing that at the end become extremely public. And yes. That feeling never leaves you, does it? No, it never does. It's part of it. It's a big part of it because you don't want to make art and not showing it. But at the same time, it's a very scary thing. Every time I have a show during the opening, I am very scared. (laughs) I'm very anxious. You know, people are coming, they're looking at your work and I am constantly thinking, oh my God, this is not going to work out. Nobody is going to like it. Nobody is going to, you know, understand what I'm doing or maybe this is not good enough or, you know, all the questions that goes to your mind. And then when the success comes, then, you know, the institutions collect or uh, I sell something, it's the most beautiful feeling that, you know, that you can get because it's like having a child. I don't have a child, so I don't really know. Maybe it's not a good example, but it's like, you know, invest in something so much emotionally and time-wise and everything. And then that become a success. And this just the joy comes with it. It's like amazing. But it's also very scary. Exactly. I also would be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that some of your art is in the private collection of the Sheikh of Abu Dhabi. Do you not find incredible irony in that? No, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, you know, I had a show in Dubai. He came to my show and uh, I wasn't in there, but apparently he saw a couple of my, um, actually at the time I was doing a series that I was working on oil barrels. I would just get the oil barrels and actually paint on them. And it was a very amazing, you know, body of work for me, you know, because, you know, I grew up in an oil rich country. It was only politics around me all the time, you know, all the stuff that is happening in the Iranian history is because of oil and, you know, it's just everything is because of oil. And so I grabbed a couple of oil barrels and I started working on them and it went into a show in Dubai and it seems that the sheikh come in and uh, he looks at the work and actually purchased both of them. He really liked them. And so when I was then I heard that it was very 
it was amazing. It was also very funny. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that's I think that's just great. Anything now that you're working on that you'd like to share? Um, I am actually working on a new animation right now. And uh, it's really about all the, you know, immigration stuff that's going on right now. Either in the southern border in California or it's um, it's just heart-wrenching with all the news that comes out. And so I am thinking about how can I bring this subject into my work, but also the way that I make the animation is that I paint. I have an idea. I do a series of painting and then because my paintings are narrative, I always think how can I get these characters out of the painting at the time into into them and kind of starts moving them, you know, so they would say the story from the beginning to the end. And uh, that's a challenge, but it's also amazing because it's not an, I am not very good with technology. So I have to work with a, uh, with my animator who lives in Texas and I do the paintings. I have the story and then I start, you know, creating the scenes. I put them together and then I contact him and then we work together in order to move all these characters and then, you know, adding the music and the sounds and it's just a whole process that it's very time consuming for like a 10 minutes animation. I spent something around a year to just make that happen. Wow. Whoa. Well, we've run out of time, but this was absolutely fascinating to hear your story and so much that you shared. I'm just curious, do you ever think that in the future you'll go back to Iran? I would love to, but I don't see it in the near near future. Right. And your parents can't come here, correct? No, they come. They come and uh, they, they visit, but they don't, you know, they don't live here. Right. So. I'm always homesick for them. Right. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing your story and your art. It was absolutely fascinating. And I really enjoyed meeting you. And I wish you more continued success in your career and in your life. What a story. You're really quite a woman, Shiva Amadi. Thank you very much, Sandy. I appreciate having me. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.